Hello and welcome to the Here for Healing podcast with me, your host, Carly Brown. This is a podcast dedicated to the healing journey using alternative, holistic, and integrative methods to heal from the inside out. I chat with practitioners, patients, and individuals who are blazing their own path to radiant, vibrant health and wellness. I can't thank you enough for being here. Let's get into this week's episode. All right, Faith. So for those of you who are watching on YouTube, you can see that Faith is, well, you might, you probably actually can't tell, but Faith is beautifully pregnant and due a week from now. And I'm curious, Faith, how uh, navigating pregnancy during a pandemic has been for you. Yeah, it's, you know, it's actually been, it's been okay for me personally, because I am actually kind of like a homebody and I already worked from home. I would say the biggest downsides are not being around family and not being able to have like the same experience when you see your providers, like with my midwives for a while, my husband couldn't be there. Um, But luckily as of now, we are allowed to have a birthing partner and a doula. So as long as I get that, I'm just grateful that I've like made it through (laughs) and I can say that I made it through a pandemic while I was pregnant with my first pregnancy. Um, but yeah, you know what? It's so hot here in Austin that being this pregnant and being in 110 degrees isn't going to work anyways. So I've had to kind of like be inside a lot anyways. So I'm, I'm just trying to make the best of it. Right. We've all been leaning into this opportunity as hopefully a time to rest. And so that's been, I know I've been watching your journey on Instagram, that healing feeling. And I know that you've been doing your best to get some rest and, you know, to get ready for the journey ahead. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I know that you kind of represent yourself as a Graves ambassador and we'll get into your story in a moment. But one thing that you speak about a lot is patient empowerment. And I know that for myself, navigating a cancer journey, that in the beginning of my journey, empowerment is not a word that I would have used. I felt a lot of despair and grief, a lot of hopelessness. Um, I didn't I didn't feel empowered. And I think it's such a critical part for anyone who's navigating a diagnosis or anyone who's just going to see their MD that there is that essence of empowerment. So tell me a little bit about what patient empowerment means to you and how you, I know you even have a course about this and how you teach your clients a, a, how to show up. Like, what is, what does this mean? How do I be an empowered patient? That is, that is a very good question. And it's, it, you're right. It's, it's interesting because I feel like most people who feel like they are empowered patients do come from a place of hopelessness and despair. And then you're kind of like completely broken down and you're right. Like I've got to do something about this. And that's where you learn that really you can kind of take the whole process into your own hands. I think we're kind of taught that like the doctor is the person who went to school and knows everything. And so you should just kind of shut up and listen and do as you're told. And I think that can work for really acute things because you don't need to like spend all the time on Google if you have like strep throat necessarily, or maybe just like an acute cold or whatever you know, you go to the doctor and you're like, okay. But when it comes to more of these chronic conditions or symptoms of any kind, you can't do that because you, it requires so much admin and so much, I think also just like your, of your, it's a subjective, right? The treatment is your own opinion on what's best for you. So being an empowered patient, 
means that you take your the whole healing process into your own hands and you or at least like for me and in my experience I'm sure there's lots of things you know but um and I think it's it's definitely for me it felt at the beginning like a full-time job until I got into a groove just like interviewing practitioners which to me is always the number one step um and then really doing a lot of research on your treatment plans and having a really good management system for how you're measuring your progress over time. I've seen too many people do the same thing over and over again, and it doesn't work. And then they're just kind of told like, well, that's your problem. Just deal with it. Mm -hmm. And that's really just not good enough. And that in itself is a psychological trauma um, and something that makes the symptoms even worse. And so (laughs) it's a very long winded answer, but I think it's a complete mindset shift to like the power is in your hands and you are the most capable person to moving the needle forward in your health, um, regardless of what your educational background is, because there is no better education than the experience of it, in my opinion. Right, right, right. And doing what feels true and aligned for you. I know that one thing within my own journey is that there are some people who go down the route of chemotherapy and radiation and surgery, because that's what feels true and right and aligned for them. So that means that they're being an empowered patient because it feels good for them. Whereas for me, that didn't feel like what was right for me. I'm like, hmm, let me, let me sit with this a little bit and see what feels true and right for me. And that looked like going to a holistic cancer clinic. It looked like going down a very different route. So we're both empowered patients, but we chose, we chose different routes. We, we, like, I would say it it means like stopping for a minute, deciding how you want to move forward. And then it's like, it's a pause, right? It's your doctor tells you to do something and you pause and say like, well, does that feel aligned for me? Right. A hundred percent. And it's kind of funny because I've been sharing my whole um, plan for birth and kind of like what I've done surrounding my pregnancy. And I'm totally aware that everyone kind of handles all of these milestones differently. And what I've like said to everyone who's kind of like, why did you choose this? Or why have you done this? It's it's like, it's just what, like you said, what it's what feels right for me. It's what makes me feel at peace about the situation. But I think every person, every person is entitled to their own opinion and they are, it's their body and their child and you do what feels good for you. And if you get that experience. And that's the most empowering thing of all. So it doesn't have to be what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but it's what brings you peace. And cause that's the most important thing, right? Um, cause it's mind, body, spirit, all of it tied together. It's not your body as an isolated thing. And so if you're not aligned with the decisions you're making, it's probably not going to work for you. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. 100%. So have you, would you identify as an empowered patient from the beginning of your journey? Like bring us back to the very beginning of being diagnosed with Graves disease, which is an autoimmune disease. And the last stat that I read was that about 24 million adults in the United States are diagnosed with autoimmune disease. It's the third most common disease, cancer, heart disease, autoimmune. I mean, it's it's all over the place. One of the narratives that I often hear is that people with autoimmune disease are going to their doctors and they're being told that nothing's wrong. It's in your head. It's uh, they're not feeling, they're not feeling heard. They're not feeling seen. So was that the case for you? Bring us back to the beginning and tell us what that was like. That is absolutely the case for me and is also what I hear, as you said, from so many people. And I think it really is just because our system isn't really set up to support chronic conditions of most kinds in my experience, at least. Yeah. And 
So yes, when I was first diagnosed in 2012, I was experiencing symptoms for about a year. Um, so I believe I was like undiagnosed for a little over a year. Um, and I was told that it was in my head. Um, and I was mostly put on a lot of different, like, um, any type of like antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication, um, which actually did not help um, any of the anxiety symptoms that come along with various disease. So for those who don't know, um, it's just a really like extreme hyperthyroid symptoms. So a lot of hair loss, um, a lot of uh, weight loss, your adrenaline is always going. So you're like sweating all the time and obviously you don't feel great. Um, and then you have, for me, like the biggest thing was the anxiety and the weight loss and the hair loss. I lost probably like half my hair, but a lot of these things that are unexplained to doctors can be tossed up to just um, anxiety because, you know, a lot of people struggle with anxiety, but it's usually tied into something. Um, and so I got on a bunch of medications for about a year. It didn't help everything got worse. I finally went to my cardiologist in Dallas. Um, and I have a condition, a genetic mutation where I have really high cholesterol and my cholesterol was so low that it was impossible. And she said, you have to have Graves disease because you're burning fat at such a fast rate. This is the only thing that could explain. And so it was actually kind of a really interesting way to diagnose. And it's sort of like understanding that whole body approach, which we, which I use now, which is kind of seeing, you know, your whole body is a system and how um, these symptoms aren't isolated and they mean something. And so she was able to do that because she knew me. Um, and I had two weeks to decide, um, whether I wanted surgery or radioactive iodine treatment, which you take a radioactive iodine pill and it, your thyroid is the only organ that can absorb that. So it kills the organ. Um, and I didn't get any other options. I just, I just got like, you have two weeks to decide this because you're very sick. You, you let it go on for too long. So I was in college and I was like, well, I don't want to get surgery cause I want to go back to school. Okay. So I was going to do the radioactive iodine naturally. Um, and I got very sick for a year. I tried to go to school. It didn't work. Um, so I was on medical leave. Yeah. So it was kind of just this process that fell out of my control. Like I didn't really know what it meant. Um, I was convinced that it was in my head. So I always sat at the back of the classroom for a full year thinking that I was just going crazy. Um, and I was like making it up, you know, and um, that I was suffering psychological symptoms that um, I had made up in my head due to anxiety. And I was really dealing with it all by myself because I, I don't know, it was just, it's, it was unexplained, I guess. Um, and then when I had the treatment, I didn't really know what it did or what it meant. I just knew that I was then sick for a year. Um, and then I never fully recovered. Um, they never got my thyroid to like a good level after that. So I had to take a thyroid replacement, a synthetic hormone to, um, after a year of letting the thyroid die, um, which sucked because you went from hyperthyroid to hypothyroid. Right. Um, once it was completely dead, um, I took a hormone replacement and they never really got it back up to a good level. So I didn't really ever feel good until I started rejecting my thyroid medication in 2018. And that's when it all went um, really badly again. And I started empowering myself. So okay. that's really the so you, so you didn't know now of what I know of you is that you have more of a holistic integrative approach, right? So on truly on a healing journey. Now, yeah. if you, so you, you didn't start out with this holistic mindset. If you knew what you know now, would you have done something different back then? A lot of people ask me that. It's a great question. And the answer is 
probably what what I would have done, of course, is done research. Um, I wouldn't have accepted like a two week deadline because that's that's an arbitrary deadline. Um, so I would have done the research on the treatment, and I would have also, of course, gotten other opinions on like what to do if you don't want to go with the traditional treatments. Um, I have met a few people who've been able to manage it naturally and a few people who haven't, um, I would have definitely tried it because I've been able to change my whole life um, taking this more holistic approach now. Of course, I can't go back and undo the radioactive iodine treatment, but um, I've certainly made so many changes in my life which have transformed my health. So it's something that I would have tried. Um, But again, it was that mindset of like the doctor knows best and they're telling you this and there's no point in researching it because they know what they're talking about. And these are the only two options and how untrue that, that really was. But, you know, So talk to me, talk to me a little bit more about that. So then I would imagine that's part of your patient empowerment is like you come in, the doctor says you have two, you're coaching someone who's in the same place as you were back in 2012. You have two weeks to decide, you know, what, what do you tell this person? Slow down, do research. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but those, (laughs) but that those types of things I would imagine, you know, because they don't give you any options. That was the same for me. It was by the time after my cancer diagnosis, I was walking out the door and they'd already scheduled me for surgery. I'm like, wait, give me, give me a second. You just gave me a cancer diagnosis, like hold up and let me, let me have a moment here. So I, I would imagine that that's all part of, of your teachings now, the slow down. <laughs> yeah. Slow down. I mean, people are, I do find that a lot when I go to the doctor, I get deadlines like, right. and I'm like, what, what does this deadline even mean? Like, you know, it's your body. No one makes the rules for you. No one can tell you that you have to do something at a certain time. Um, I always tell people like, unless you're incapacitated and it's an emergency and it's life or death, that's different. Yes. Relinquish control because <laughs> you have none. But in any other scenario where you are in the right state of mind, it's a hundred percent your decision and you shouldn't let someone tell you unless you've done your own research. Um, and you know, it's made fun of a lot in the media, like the kind of, if you will, difficult patient, which is what I tell everyone they should be, um, the difficult patient, the one who comes in and says, actually, I've done my research and what about this? And what about this? And, you know, there's this whole, um, stereotype in the media of, um, the patients who do that and how they come in with their, like, you know, essential oils and this, that, and the other. And I see it all the time. I saw it on TikTok the other day um, as I was packing my mint <laughs> essential oil for labor. And I, I know how it looks and I know how it comes across, but I mean, you want to be a difficult patient. That is what an empowered patient is. And you slow the brakes and you say, you know what, actually, I'm going to not only get other opinions, but I'm going to sit down and do my own research and I'm going to come to my own conclusions. And it's, and if someone makes you feel bad about it, then they're probably not the right practitioner for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I totally agree with that. Be willing to walk away from a doctor who makes you feel terrible. I had a doctor who I cried every single time I went to see her and I went to another thyroid practitioner who didn't make me cry. I'm like, I don't have to say you're not my only option. Like, so that's, I feel like that's a really helpful uh, comment is like, you don't need to stay with someone. You can go find another doctor. You can go find another practitioner who's willing to hear you, to listen to you, to understand you and to maybe they're not an essential oil lover, that's fine, but they can respect that you like to use essential oils in your healing journey, you know? Exactly. And, um, I, you know, I went through so many doctors when I started like really just empowering myself and I honestly can't even count. I could go back like 
20 different appointments. And I would just, it, it wasn't a waste of time because I say to people, it's better to interview, have your consultation and then say, you know, it's not worth it than to work with that practitioner and go back and forth and try all these treatments that don't align with, um, you know, your heal, what you want for your healing journey. So it might seem like a lot of work and it might seem non-traditional to interview your doctors, but you know, you're hiring them, they work for you. <laughs> so make sure that they're providing the, the service that you want. We're all human beings, all doctors, you know, they're going to have different opinions and different experiences. And it's okay if you don't align, it's just time for the next one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have the radioactive iodine, you're on a synthetic hormone replacement, correct? You have, you didn't feel well for a year after that. What was the turning point for you to say, I have to do something differently? And what did that look like? The turning point was really 2018. Uh-huh. So I basically was just very young. I, I was 20, 20 when I first when I believe that like the, the Graves disease flare kind of started, if you will. So I never really felt that well, but I, once I got on Synthroid, which is the, you know, the, one of the thyroid, the synthetic thyroid replacement, probably the most popular one. Um, once I got on Synthroid, um, I felt bad, but I kind of just self-medicated my way through the end of college and my job. And I just didn't feel good. You know, like that's just like you, we have an amazing ability as human beings to kind of just acclimate to a new normal. So if you don't feel well, and so many people don't, they, you just forget what it feels like to feel good. So you're like, wake up feeling exhausted. Can't work out. I have to drink coffee all day long. Like whatever, that was my life. And I, I didn't, um, I looked healthy because I was very, very thin from, all the problems that I'd had. So everyone's always, you look great. And you know, you're doing all this, that, and the other. And yeah. So, um, thin does not equate health. Yes. It definitely does not. Um, and then 2018 came around and I had a series of very stressful events that kind of sent my body into this huge like flare again, if you will. Um, and then I, I had to leave my job. And, and, and that's when I started going to doctors again. Okay. Um, and they just said, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. And it was the same experience, except for this time I was older and I was wiser. So I started to take the journey into my own hands by listening to um, podcasts where um, basically like alternative methods, because the traditional methods weren't working. And I had for the first time in my life, every specialist turning me away, just saying, I can't help you. Um, and it felt horrible. And I started listening to testimonies of people who had found healing in things like lifestyle changes. And I knew absolutely nothing about that because in the entirety of the time that I've been managing this chronic condition, no one had ever once said, maybe if you do this or that, like um, maybe drink a little more water or don't eat this or do eat this or whatever, practice these techniques that it might help. No one had ever mentioned that. Um, All along the way, no doctor mentioned diet. No. Wow. Okay. I won't even go into how irresponsible the whole thing was managed. I mean, that could be a whole other story, but it just, it blows one's mind. And I know, you know, cause I read your posts about it too. And I'm like, it just blows your mind, but that's, that's where we were at in the traditional medical system. So, um, I started learning about that and then I started just that was my full-time job. I started doing research, but I had to start from square one because I'd never heard of it before. Um, which was crazy to think how far I've come from someone who'd never even considered making like a lifestyle change to feel better. Um, and went through, went to different types of practitioners. 
Um, and then it was like mind blown the way that they were explaining to me that I could regain my health. Um, and that's really where it all started. What <laughs> were to- like, tell me about the, like the first few things that were like, Whoa, what like mind blowing, what were the first couple things and who, and what kind of practitioners were giving you this information right, right at that time? So I learned about gut health. It was something that I didn't know anything about. So I had a candida and SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I was constantly on antibiotics, everything, I had recurring UTIs um, since the diagnosis of Graves' disease. And I lived, I had doctors say, take antibiotics every single day. Just take it, prevent it. And, the, you know, and it's not that dissimilar to other stories that you hear. Um, so I had a horrible gut issues and I was just kind of told, uh, that's normal. That happens. It's the end of the day, you you know? So for example, I had no idea. And this is sort of a lot of people, when you ask them, like, where did you start on your journey? They start with, they they learned about their gut, but it is true. And it is important. So I had, um, a functional medical medicine doctor that I started seeing and she, um, was able to like uncover a bunch of, I mean, my gut was just so, so, so messed up. Um, and that was making a huge impact but also we're talking about the kind of like vitamin depletion from all of the different medicines that I had been on. They'd just been piling on these different prescription medications to cover up and band-aid all these symptoms that I was having because I didn't have a proper thyroid function and everything was just so depleted. Um, It was really just such a mess to look at. I mean, she had other doctors coming in and looking at it because it was just like so insane to see like, how could it be so messed up? How am I not absorbing anything? And how is it so depleted? What kind of a person takes a statin starting at age 16 to such a high degree? Like everything was just a mess. And so we had to like strip it all back. Um, and the same thing with my thyroid, they'd never run a full thyroid panel. Since I was diagnosed with Graves disease in 2012, I'd never had someone run a full thyroid panel, which is really ironic because that is really where all my problems started from. And when she kind of drew a diagram for me and explained to me like why we run a full panel and how all these different hormones play a part in the symptoms that I'm feeling, I couldn't believe how mismanaged my thyroid was. And it really made sense. Like, this is why I feel horrible. Yet my endocrinologist just told me to go find somebody else because to her, of course, I looked fine but she'd never checked those levels. So there's just so many things that started be, you know, getting uncovered that I was like, and of course then came the diet and the lifestyle changes as a result of a lot of the testing that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so personalized, of course, and there was so much work that went into um, making specific changes for me. So, okay. So you, you changed practitioners for one, you went to a functional MD, which is very different than, and and both MDs, but one of them has a bigger picture view, looking more at the root cause, doing deeper testing. For example, a full thyroid panel to get a picture of the whole thyroid. You looked at your gut health, uh, you got some nutrition via supplementation. And then after, then from there, you moved on to diet and lifestyle. What was the biggest diet change? Like what was maybe like the hardest thing for you to give up, but made the biggest shift in your diet? Because diet's, diet's personal. And I, and it's not that we need to know exactly everything you eat because one man's poison is another man's medicine. But but you say da- dairy. Tell me about that. Well, dairy and gluten were two big ones, especially when you're healing your gut. But in general, dairy is just like, we did a um, food sensitivity testing, but 
through my gut, not through blood work. Cause I'd done like blood work food sensitivity testing and it came back like inconclusive. Mm-hmm. And then we tested, we, I actually, so uh, I did all the tests that my functional MD had to offer. And for those who haven't seen a functional medicine doctor, they, they have very specific tests that you don't access at um, a practitioner you might use that operates within the perimeters of traditional healthcare and insurance systems. Right. So they can operate a, a little bit outside of those perimeters, which is interesting because they can access these really in-depth tests that if you were to bring it to your regular internist, they wouldn't be able to interpret it for you. I've, they might, but they won't. Um, and they can't prescribe for it. Insurance won't cover it. So, um, that is, that, you know, that's another reason why when people ask me about those tests and you do have to actually see like a naturopath or a functional MD or something like that. Um, but anyway, so I did all of the test kits because I was at such a low point. I just said, sign me up for every single one. Let's see what comes back because I'm tired of being exhausted. And are um, these covered by insurance, Faith? Or they're, they're not? They're not. Okay. And it's really hard. I mean, that's another thing that I cover in um, my course about, you know, the expense. It hits you like a ton of bricks. Um, and it's really, it is expensive. Um, but what's more expensive is leaving your job and not qualifying for unemployment because your doctors can't figure out what's wrong with you, which is what happened to me. Um, so I was just ready to figure it out once and for all. And when you do, you don't pay for it over and over again. You actually solve the problem. So you're not symptom band-aiding for the rest of your life. You actually heal. Um, so it is an investment. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spend now significantly less than I was and at the time where I was band-aiding. Um, but I got off track. What was your question? It was... Um, <laughs> you were telling me about all the different tests that you did. You went in and she said... Um, you decided to do all of the different tests. You were kind of just still telling me about your experience with the functional MD about getting off of dairy and gluten and some other shifts that you made at that time that were really powerful for you. No, it's fine. It's my pregnancy break for everyone listening to this. I swear I'm like losing it half the time. I'm like, what was I doing? No, that's a, that's a, that is a real thing. I can attest to that. (laughs) Real thing. Um, yeah. So the hardest things to give up initially were dairy and gluten. Um, I actually had cystic acne for 10 years and had tried everything, including like Accutane, um, which had a really negative effect on my well-being. And, but also just like tons of topicals and spirulactin and antibiotics on top of antibiotics and blah, 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 and nothing worked. Um, I stopped dairy and in one week it cleared up. So I was like, yeah. Um, and that's a huge trigger for me for more than just, you know, uh, the cystic acne, that's just kind of like one red flag that, um, my body doesn't love dairy. Um, but yeah, dairy and gluten, I still stay away from, um, for the most part in my pregnancy, it's been a little different, especially at the beginning. Cause I had some cravings mm-hmm. um, my immune response is a little bit lower during the pregnancy. So I can tolerate it a little better. Um, but initially just really in general, like having to make dietary changes when you haven't had to do it before can be really challenging. And so I, I sort of, took everything a little by little. I didn't want to overwhelm myself because there were so many changes. Um, and so I just kind of like slowly, like I started with the dairy and then I found substitutes. I started with the gluten. And I mean, like you can't do everything in one day. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's such a process, like just adapting to a new lifestyle. So really it took me like a year to like really make all the changes. And, and that's the way that was sustainable for me. 
Absolutely. It takes time. It, it really does. It's baby steps. It's waking up in the morning. What can I do today to make a difference? Because if we are to digest it all at once, it's just completely overwhelming, but it's just truly one day at a time, one right decision at a time. What can I do next? That's most loving and caring and healing for my body. So I totally, totally resonate with that. So, so you really took control of your health in, in 2018, you began this healing journey. You started going to functional MD as you started looking at the root cause, making dietary and lifestyle changes. Where are you now? Two years later, how are you feeling? How, you know, are you managing Graves' disease? What do things look like for you today? Well, things are very different today for a number of reasons. Um, I have fantastic relationships with my team of practitioners who I worked with uh, in order to heal. I do have like, you know, a few people that I work with and I always recommend to people to have a team and to make sure that like they understand who you're working with and they have a, a way of communicating with each other. It took a long time to build that, but now I have my go-tos who understand me and who've been with me through the journey. And that's been really huge. Um, for example, like in my pregnancy, I don't have an OB-GYN managing my pregnancy. I actually have the practitioners who help me heal, manage like my thyroid and my supplements and everything like that. Um, and I feel a lot more confident and comfortable and empowered using them than the traditional approach for myself. Um, and it's been fantastic for me, but really I'm just a completely different person. I think the biggest thing is my mindset shift, just to knowing that when there is a symptom or something coming up, how to approach that and handle that um, is completely different than how I would have acted in the past, obviously. Um, I'm obviously really passionate about it. I ended up not returning to my job. Um, I was working in a corporate job when I relapsed and then I left and then I never went back because I really wanted to share the story with people. I know and understand that so many people are struggling with chronic conditions um, and most people are still stuck in that place where they feel helpless and discouraged and the toll that it takes on your mental health cannot be underestimated and because that's so intrinsically tied to your physical health, I feel like more work needs to be done from the advocacy side of, of you know, a patient even to empower practitioners to understand the impact of, you know, the impact that they can make, um, with their words even, <laughs> you know, and with the way that they should be questioning their patients and talking to their patients. Um, so yeah, my, you know, I went from a place of not really caring about my health at all and just kind of like pushing through the day to, um, every day talking about it, advocating for it, advocating for my family, for my baby, for my pregnancy. I mean, I am so grateful that I got pregnant. Um, I believe that the work that I put in with my functional MD is a big reason why, um, I finally got my body to be healthy for the first time in so almost 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I am just a totally different person. Like, it's crazy to think of how something like that can really change you. And do you still have flare-ups from Graves' disease? Um, I, I haven't had any antibodies for Graves' disease. There was a concern that sometimes when you get pregnant, those antibodies can come back and that would be, um, you know, like a flare up if you will, or after the pregnancy. Um, I've been testing that throughout the pregnancy and I haven't had any. Mm -hmm. So that's been really great. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really on it with my thyroid testing. So um, I'll be doing a really in-depth like panel after six weeks. Um, but so far, no, I haven't since I've been, you know, since I changed my life and, and everything like that. And of course, as well, like the, I think the mindfulness practices, if you will, for lack of a better word, and kind of how I completely changed the way that I take care of my mental health, that was a huge contributor to my healing and to being able to kind of like stay in that state of rest and digest and support my body and continue healing. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk a little bit about those mindset practices, because I know they've been so critical to me on my own wellness journey, really focusing on meditation. And if I, if I don't feel in the mood to just sit on my bed and meditate, to go for a walk, to be in nature, to quiet my mind, to, to get out of the, the, the frenzy, the, the fight or flight, right? So what mm-hmm. does that look like for you. And and before you answer that, I also want to say congratulations on your healing journey, on all that you've accomplished, on where you are today, on your beautiful, healthy pregnancy. I know what goes in to get where you are. And so I just really, I honor you and I respect you for everything you've done. And yeah, of course. And, and, and so tell me about that mindset piece. I think that it's something that on any healing journey you will run into. Some no matter what healing journey you're on, someone will say, "Have you meditated? Have you listened to Joe Dispenza's meditations? You know, <laughs> you know, are you are you spending time in nature? Whatever it might be, like and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I, I, I'll be like, "I got to do my hyperbaric. I have to do my sauna." But but my heart rate is and so I know for me as a 3-8 Enneagram, as a type A New Yorker, I have to pull, I need to prioritize those practices. I need to prioritize rest. How do you make sure in the flow of your day, about to be a new mama, running a business, how do you prioritize staying your mind, staying in an empowered mindset and ensuring you stay in that rest and digest parasympathetic mode? Yeah. And I think to like rein it back for me, I think it took realizing how connected our mind and our body that they are one mm-hmm. in order for me to appreciate the the effort that I needed to start putting into working on my mental health. Mm-hmm. It was learning that I was stuck in a stress response that I, I finally figured out I can just not heal if I'm like this. And this is clearly something that I have to work on mentally it was like you said, every single thing for me was just trigger, 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 trigger. So my heart was just always going. And I was like, this is impossible. You cannot get better when you are always in this sympathetic state and your heart's like all the time. Right. right. I need to find a way to quiet this. Um, and I, and that's hard when you're stuck in a stress response to so just sit down and quiet your mind. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, like, what does that even mean when you have so much, um, anxiety, or, you know, all the time, um, or whatever you want to call it. So, um, it was, at first it was realizing that those were intrinsically connected. And then, um, I would say like, it's taken me like two years to kind of get where I am today, but I, I prioritize, um, I would say I do like about, well, especially now that I'm kind of preparing for birth, but, um, I do about like an hour a day, which is quite a significant amount. And I would say that's mostly because I don't have a baby yet. And, um, I am doing a lot of extra stuff to prepare for, um, 
for the kind of birthing plan that I want. Um, but I do uh, different practices of meditation in the morning and at night because for me, it's easier to kind of like ensure I fit it in my day if I do it first thing when I wake up and then when I'm going to bed as opposed to having to kind of like stop. But I think the point of it is that it's not just like you're mindful in the morning and at night, but it's that you set yourself up to be mindful throughout the day and you punctuate your day with these moments of mindfulness before you let that stress response kick in. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was able to kind of get to a place of healing because your body can't heal or stay healthy when you're stuck in that response, which, you know, like most of us have kind of heard the story of like the tiger and then the fight or flight, but I mean, it's very real, Mm -hmm. but I think like that was when I hit a real turning point in my healing, when I was able to kind of get that under control, all of a sudden, like things started working for me that I'd already been doing for so long. And I was like, ah, yeah, okay. Actually, I do feel better since last time I saw you. So that was like the really critical thing for me. And I think in my pregnancy, it has gone very well, minus like the sickness, but you know, <laughs> the pregnancy has gone really, really well. And people say like, why do you think it's gone well? From day one, I spent an hour a day um, meditating and very specific meditations actually surrounding my um, pregnancy and kind of like a lot of manifesting and all of that. And it has just kept me so calm. I haven't felt any anxiety at all during this entire pandemic. And I a hundred percent attribute it to practices. So it's pretty amazing. What a blessing. Wow. That's, that's really, that's really incredible. What outside of meditation, are there any other practices that you turn on to shift yourself into that parasympathetic rest and digest mode? Or is that being your main out, one? Yeah. Being outside is the biggest thing for me. Like I call it nature therapy, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, right now it's a little difficult because it's hot and I'm large, but um, generally speaking, I found a lot of healing in nature throughout my whole process, especially because I wasn't working. I spent a lot of time like in Austin, we're just really lucky as well because we've got all that water and everything. So being by the water, I spent a lot of time um, just like doing that just being out there with my dog. My dog is super medicinal for me mm-hmm. and just like watching him in nature and it's amazing. It's so healing. So I try to spend as much time as I can outside and I, and I want to do that more once the baby's here when maybe when it's dark and not so hot, but yeah. <laughs> um, I also do like, I do the infrared on. I did that every day for about 45 minutes um, which is a good place to like listen to a podcast and unwind. Um, but honestly, for me, nature, um, and then I took a few courses, meditation courses, mm-hmm. which have been really useful just to kind of like understand different people's perspectives and techniques. And um, I definitely recommend that if you're like on the start of your journey, because I feel like it's like, where do I go? Who do I study? What practice am I doing it right? Like, you know, and it's like, it's, it's not really, it's like you kind of learn what works for you by trying different things, I think. So that was really useful for me. Um, and I hope to continue to do that as well. Right, right. I hear all that. And I know, I, you know, I think that we can't talk about this, this conversation about getting yourself into a healing state without talking about sleep either. Sleep has just been yeah. such an important part of my journey. When I was diagnosed, Cruz, the, when I first found the lump on my neck. Cruz was four months old. Like he was, I was up all night with him. I, we didn't have a plan of who would take Cruz when it was just kind of like a little bit chaotic, let's say. Um, and I was not getting a lot of sleep at all. And so the very first thing that I did when I really committed to healing naturally was to set very, um, 
strong boundaries around my sleep. And today I will start winding down probably at about 8.30, like lights low, winding down. I'm in bed by nine o'clock. I'll read, I'll do some prayer, I'll do some meditation and my lights are out at 9.30. And I do that because I, I deserve that and it's a part of my healing protocol. And people will say, but, but how can you get into bed that early? I have so much to do. Nothing is more important that if you're in a, on a healing journey, nothing is more important than making sure you reduce your stress, you get enough sleep, you, you know, you know, you deeply, deeply nourish yourself and your cells. So do what, do you have a practice around sleep? Is it, is it as important to you? Tell me about that. Yeah. Sleep is everything. I'm also, I, I am, I'm the same as you. We mm-hmm. go to bed so early and I'm conscious that that's going to change when the baby comes, mm-hmm. um, until we get him into a good, um, sleeping schedule, but it's very important to me and I can do nothing if I don't sleep. Um, it, it all starts with that. So yeah, we are also like, we are definitely, we eat dinner at like five mm-hmm. and <laughs> we had my husband's, uh, parents in town and they're constantly like, you guys are so old. Like we eat dinner at like eight thirty. Like they're eating dinner in the UK when we're eating dinner here in America. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just because. So we eat dinner at five, um, and then yeah, we're in bed by nine. I'm I'm usually lights out by nine thirty, ten at the latest. Um, and then I do like thirty minutes or so of my like little meditation practice. But um, so ten thirty would really be like the latest that I would ever fall asleep. Um, but 10 o'clock is usually my bedtime and earlier if I can, um, sleep is so important to me. And you're right. Like for me, I'm like, if I can't show up fully as my best version of myself, then everything else is done at a half or a fourth capacity. Mm -hmm. So what's the point? Like, what's the point of doing everything not well, because you're not looking after your own health. And, but I think that's also really difficult because people have to learn how to set boundaries and prioritize themselves. And that's more difficult for some people than others. And I think people have to realize if you are going to embark on a journey like this, where you're really, um, you want to heal, you are going to have to put yourself first in a lot of situations that might feel uncomfortable. And you're going to have to set boundaries with friends and family that might not understand or agree. And that could mean that you could lose relationships or it could cause tension in relationships and you're going to have to set boundaries there because you can't be inviting in, you know, extra stress when you're trying to create, cultivate, as I like to call your healing bubble. So, um, you know, that's kind of uncomfortable for, for some people. And that's also an adjustment and sleep is a big part of that. It was one of the things we spoke about in the cancer clinic often is that right now, you have to prioritize you. My doctor went as far as saying any person in this room who's sitting here with cancer does not prioritize themselves because if you did, you wouldn't be here. And I was like, oh, damn, (laughs) like, all right. So, I mean, it's just speaking to what you're saying is that when, when, you know, how cool would it be if we could all prioritize our health and our well-being before we need to go on a deep healing journey, you know, because if I take care of myself, I get to show up for my husband, 
more fully and completely, my son more fully and completely. I get to set an example for my family. And, and the other thing that I wanted to note on is that a lot of people would say, well, Carly, I can't go to a cancer clinic and face, I can't quit my job and, and commit to healing full time. And what's interesting about what everything we're saying, what well, everything we've said here today is like, we're paring it down to some really simple things like drinking enough water. We, we, you know, we didn't get deep into that, but hydration, standing barefoot yeah. in the grass, like slowing down your breath, getting enough sleep, eating food from the earth. Like we are talking about some really specific thing, really simple things that you can do that every single human being would benefit from to live a more vital, vibrant, radiant, healthy life. And it's like the reason I want to do a podcast like this specifically about healing is that I feel the more that we're talking about this, people will come to see that it's not so difficult. And perhaps we can bring in these practices before we're diagnosed with Graves' disease, before we're diagnosed with cancer, before these big things happen that shift, shake us up so much that we do need to radically change our lives. So I find like on my own journey, I'm always like, I went to a cancer clinic for eight weeks and do you know what I learned how to do? To go to sleep on time and to, you know, drink, eat some fruits and vegetables. And like, the, I learned the most simple and basic things. I spent a lot of money to learn some really simple and basic things. So, and it's what I'm hearing a lot of, of you saying here as well today. A hundred percent. I agree with that. I think it can seem, especially because there's such a market for it. And so there's so many people coming out with these crazy expensive products that are like, you have to buy this thing to look like this and feel like this. And it's like, it's actually the opposite mm -hmm. because really it's whole foods, it's good water and you can sleep on whatever bed you want. Like you don't need to buy that specific mattress or this, you know, it's like if, if you're healthy and you're in a good sleep wake cycle, you'll sleep and you'll, you know, and so it's like, I mean, there are of course supplements that have helped me, like right. for me, I feel are very necessary on my journey, but I actually had another podcast interview where I talked about this before, like in the beauty industry, it's all these things to buy, to look younger and to have better skin. It's like, when I stopped using all those things <laughs> and stopped eating processed foods, I stopped needing any of those things. And like, I can't remember the last time I spent money on makeup. Mm -hmm. Um, I have obviously clean makeup now, and sometimes I get sent a sample and that's like what I use when I wear makeup. Um, granted my skin is not a great example now because pregnancies wreaked havoc on it. But before that, um, yeah, that was my example anyways, of what, of what you're saying. And I completely agree. And I think you'll start to see that you need less things and just to be really aware, like if you are on social media, um, or anything like that, that you're going to get a lot of people saying that you need a lot of things. Um, and it's really about stripping it back. That's just overcomplicating the process. Mm -hmm. Um, there are very few things that you need. And also if you are eating whole foods, it can be expensive. Um, but I think, you know, for us, we stopped eating out a lot because there weren't very many restaurants in Austin. It's good, but there weren't too many where like I could actually, feel confident about the food that I was putting in my body. So even though I was buying organic whole foods um, and it was expensive, we spent a lot less on our food budget because we weren't going out to eat as much. Um, so uh, yeah. It's, it's I mean, that priority. It's what are you prioritizing? Reprioritizing. And when you, when you feel good, you're going to look great. And, and that's really the only thing that you're ever going to want again. You're not going to want any of these other things because when you feel good, everything is great. Your health is the most important thing. So 
I mean, it, 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 it will be very cheap. There'll be a lot less doctor's bills mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so, it can be a, a larger upfront, a larger upfront investment that will last you your entire life for lifelong health, as opposed to having to go to the doctor consistently, consistently, consistently your entire life. Cause that adds up much more than the initial investment would be in my experience. Oh my gosh. In my experience too, mm-hmm. especially here where like, you're always hit with these like surprise bills for this blood work and that and then the other. I mean, it, it does definitely add up, even if insurance covers it. Right. Totally. So, okay. So I have two last questions for you. What is the most out of the box treatment that you've done on your healing journey? And I'll, I'll tell you mine, which is yeah. mine is that I worked with a woman who does ancestral healing and I did past life regression work. And she actually found that in like many, many of my lifetimes, you know, depending what everyone believes on this, but many of my past lifetimes, I had um, been strangled. And it was, I had thyroid cancer, which is like cutting off your communication. And I'm actually going to be interviewing her on this podcast, which I'm really excited to hear from her. But that was, that was one part of my healing journey was to go back and heal, to do some past life regression work and to do some ancestral healing work. So what is it for, what was that for you? Do you have anything like that? Well, my question is, is this someone in Austin? No, she's in Australia. Okay. Cause there's someone in Austin who does something similar. And that, that is actually, um, so, so I didn't see her, uh, for one of her sessions. Mm-hmm. It's called, her name is Dr. Phyllis. And it's like something like, I can't remember anyways, but I can send it to you. Um, and I was recommended to her through one of the practitioners that I saw and she, um, has these pendants that she, um, Honestly, I would have to go back and like research it, but you know, it was, it was definitely super out there. This one was, this one was way, way out there, um, that she like basically blesses to protect you from, um, just like all the toxins and stuff. And basically I bought this pendant for so much money. My husband was like, I cannot believe this is like worth $5. And I'm like, <laughs> desperate. This is at the beginning of my journey. Um, she was recommended by one of the really, one of the doctors who had, um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and healed himself naturally. And he worked with her a lot. I don't know if you know, I can't even remember his name right now. You might know who he is. He, he's in Austin. Um, and he like, is like, yeah, Dr. Phyllis and I are like this, you've got to buy her pendant. And, but she does these healing sessions that are like what you say. And I wanted to do that. And it ended up falling through the cracks. Okay. Um, so instead, all I have to show for it is the pendant. And <laughs> I think you have the pendant. Ended up here. <laughs> this is the pendant. It's pretty. And it is pretty. And my husband brought it to Vegas with him and his brother and they won like a ton of money. So now he keeps the pendant by his desk and he's always like, this pendant is so lucky. I'm like, I'm telling you, there's something to be said about this. Pendant. So what I would do at night is I would put it on a picture of me instead of wearing it. Mm. And my doctor was like, he swears by it. And she, it also is supposed to heal ancestral trauma, but she never went into my story because I didn't pay for that session, but I'll send you her thing. She, I'm not anyways, but yeah, I can, so, I can include it in, in the show notes in case anyone wants to follow up with what is it? it Dr. Is, Phyllis. Dr. Phyllis, it is interesting. And I want, I I did want to do one of her sessions, but she only does them over the phone. Um, and they're very short and she'll only do one with you. Oh, 
I like it. Well, it looks like that pendant paid off for you because you're, you're healthy and you're healed and you're in such a beautiful and wonderful spot in your life, Faith. And I'm just really grateful that you came and shared your story with us today. And I know that a lot of people will get so much value from this as they navigate their own healing journey. So thank you for, for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me here. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. To keep the conversation going, come say hello over on Instagram at, at Carly Loves Kale or visit carlybrownwellness.com. Several times a year, I offer a program called The Daily Detox, which integrates and teaches many of the practices that you are learning in these podcast episodes. To learn more about that program, you can visit my website, carlybrownwellness.com, and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye.